I hate sinning. It is just the worst feeling after you've done something that you know better. You know that you don't want to do it, and then afterwards you just say, oh, why did I just say that? Why did I just think that? Why, why was I so snappy with this person? Why did I go there? Why did I go where I knew I would be tempted for this or for that or for this other thing? And you just feel that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach, the beginning of despair, the beginning of, ah, oh, am I ever going to get this right? I hate sinning, so why do I do it? Well, I don't think I'm alone in having that kind of uh, feeling of not wanting to sin and yet doing it anyway. In fact, I don't think it's just some of you who are in that same boat as I. I know that St. Paul is actually in the same boat as we are. For in the seventh chapter of his letter to the Romans, he writes, For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That's where we're at so often. And, you know, I think I figured out why, at least for myself. It's because I'm relying on just myself. Of course we're not capable of living that high calling of living at God's level. That high calling of Christianity to love with a selfless love. To be able to live up to a very high moral code. Of course that's going to be difficult for me if I'm just trying to do it of my own strength. Because my limits, I, I pretty much hit my capacity the first time the alarm goes, up in, uh, goes off in the morning. And it's like, oh, now I'm done with willpower for today. Snooze, snooze, snooze. Right? And then for the whole rest of the day, it's like you're running on empty. Well, we shouldn't be shocked if Christianity is hard, if we've been trying to do it just on our own strength, if we've been white-knuckling our way through our Catholic faith, of course it's going to be difficult. Of course we're not going to like it. But I've got good news for us. Pentecost Sunday. That the Lord does not expect us to do it on our own. Instead, He gives us His very life, His very Spirit to animate us, to help us to live out this Christian life, to be able to flourish in our lives for the years that we have on this earth and then be with Him forever in the next. But I think we end up being tempted into this vicious cycle when we just rely on our own strength. Right? The accuser and the advocate. Those were uh, the, the two voices that I spoke about a few weeks ago. Which one are we listening to? The accuser, the devil, or the advocate, the Holy Spirit? Today is our great celebration of the advocate that's been given. But first we need to reflect on that other voice that we listen to far too often. The accuser. First, he, gets, he convinces us that we need to do it alone. That we can't be relying on God too much. That maybe we can't trust Him too much, because what's He done for us? Or maybe that He is expecting so much of us. And our life is a test, and we're supposed to pass that test without any help from the teacher. Right? We're supposed to get through this and prove to Him how great we are, so that we can maybe earn His love. We might not form the thoughts that way, but that's often 
where we're at at the level of the heart. That's often what our actions seem to display. That we're trying to prove to God that we can do it without being beggars before him asking for his grace to be able to do it. And so we, do, we go it alone. And we say, I'm going to do this. I am going to keep from sinning and I'm going to do great stuff. And then we fall. And then we think, oh man, I am just the worst. I know better. I've been going at this Christianity thing for decades now. How could I have fallen into this sin or that sin? I just confessed it last week. How is it that I'm falling into it again? And that's when the accuser strikes. First, he tries to entice you into doing this sin. He says, oh, come on, it's not that big a deal. Then the moment that you fall, he says, you disgusting creature. You just gossiped again. You're never going to get better. You should just give up. And then we feel bad about ourselves. And how do we self-medicate? We sin again. Right? I feel bad, and so I'm going to do the thing that I think is going to give me joy, and then I come up empty, and it's this vicious cycle. How do we break out of it? We drown out the voice of the accuser by finally listening to the advocate. The advocate is the Holy Spirit. The advocate is the one that was sent to remind us of our dignity, of what we're capable of by the grace of God, of how loved we are unconditionally, not contingent on whether we've done well or done poorly, that that love is what makes us worthy. It's not a love that waits until we're worthy. And so the advocate comes in, and it's to him that we need to turn throughout our day. Because it was the advocate that changed the apostles from being a bunch of cowards. uh, Just huddled together in this upper room for fear of the Jews. To being these courageous proclaimers of the word of God that changed the face of the earth. That transformation happened in less than 50 days. They went from being those who betrayed and denied the Lord. Who abandoned him in this time of need. To those who went to the ends of the earth. And through whom the very face of the earth was changed. That transformation can happen in all of us. If we allow the advocate in. But the problem is very often we want it to be one and done. This kind of graduation of like, oh, no, no, no. I I got my Holy Spirit diploma, right? I, I now have the advocate. He's there. I don't ever have to call upon him again. That's not how it works, is it? Kind of like marriage. Is that how marriage works? Where you said I do one time and after that everything was easy? (laughs) Yeah, you never had to ratify those vows in a difficult moment. No. No. In marriage, the first I do is easy. And then you have a seeming infinity of I do's afterwards. It's like, I do. Okay, fine. (laughs) Well, that's how our relationship with the Lord is too. It's something you renew and ratify every single day. Where you wake up and you say, God, I'm running on empty and I need you to fill me with your spirit. Because there is going to be a voice speaking to me. That's guaranteed. But is it going to be the one that I listen to? Is it going to be the accuser or is it going to be the advocate? Lord, attune me to listen to your voice more than to his. We have to make that prayer our own. The prayer that we prayed in the responsorial psalm where we said, Lord, send forth your spirit and renew the face of the earth. In biblical poetry, what does that mean? That means renew me. Because what was it that Adam was made out of? That first primordial man? He was made of the earth. In fact, it's the the same root word there. Adam and Adama. Right? Earth. That's what we are. Right? We're, 
We could look at it negatively and say, oh, I'm just a piece of dirt. Or we could say, like, I am a gloriously beloved piece of dirt. I am dirt that God created into His own image. I am unlike all the other dirt in creation. Everything else on earth is beautiful, wonderful, not in the image of God. Does not share His very breath, His very life. But you, you do. And that means that even though you've messed up in your life, even though maybe you've been on the brink of despair, even though maybe you feel like you're in a rut that you will never get out of, you are capable of incredible things. But you need to be filled with that Holy Spirit. You need to rely not just on the dirt part of you, but more on the breath of God part of you. To be able to invite the Holy Spirit in multiple times each day maybe. To say, Lord, send forth your Spirit and renew this piece of the earth. Renew me now because I need it. You might be saying that every hour. You might be saying that in the moment of temptation. Or you might be saying that right after you've fallen. Because that's the moment when the accuser tries to pounce. And when you need to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I need the advocate. I need my lawyer, right? I need the advocate to counter the accuser right now. And what is it that the advocate allows you to say when you call upon him and you say, Lord, send forth your spirit and renew this piece of the earth. Renew my soul. Renew my hope right now. The Holy Spirit allows us to say something. And our second reading told us what it is. We read in another letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean when we say Jesus is Lord? When we say Jesus is Lord, that means Jesus is more powerful than I am. I might think that I have messed things up so badly that nobody can fix it. And then God says, no offense, but you're a piece of dirt. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't ruin the whole universe. You are a creature in that universe. And I love you so much. And you will not be able to change that love. We think that we can make God turn his back on us. And he says, I'm sorry, but you can't. I am Lord. You are not. You're not going to change the fact that I am going to love you. And I'm always going to have that invitation there for you to turn around. For you to get back up. For you to reclaim your dignity, which was never lost for good. We might think sometimes in our darkest moments that our dignity has been destroyed. And God says, no, 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 you're blind to it right now. You've blinded your own self to it by sin, but I can see it clearly. And I'm still Lord, and I can still restore you to your former glory. And so the Holy Spirit allows us to say, Jesus is Lord. To say, Lord, I want you to take control. I want you to be the strength upon which I lean because I don't have that strength myself. And how do we do that? Well, there are three main ways that I want to speak about today that we allow the Lord to renew us and that we proclaim Him as Lord. First, in our personal prayer. Right? In that, that dialogue that we have with Him, hopefully, not only every day, but throughout each day. To where we share with Him as we would the most intimate friend. In, in fact, even more than we do with our closest friends. To where we have that running conversation. Our inner monologue turns into a dialogue with Him. Where we speak to Him about what's going on. What we need. What we're scared of. What we're excited about. What we're embarrassed about. We laugh at Him at something that was funny. That kind of personal prayer is so important because then at the very moment of temptation, we can say, Jesus, you are Lord. 
I know that you're powerful enough to give me the strength by your spirit to overcome this temptation. When we fall, at that very moment, we can turn to the Lord. And instead of hiding from him, we say, all right, you already saw that. You know that that's what I just thought. You know that that's what I just said. That's what I just did. And I turn to you right away and I say, Lord, I need you to renew me. I need you to give me your spirit so that I can be inspired to take that next step. And what is the next step? The second way that the Lord renews us? Confession. Right? It would make so little sense for the Lord to say what he said in today's gospel if he didn't want us to have the sacrament of confession. I hear it way too often, even among Catholics, who say, oh, oh, Father, I don't go to confession. No. No, I go straight to Jesus. And I say, like, well, fine. I guess you don't care about what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? When he had said this, Jesus breathed on the apostles and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. This is one of two times that he gave this power to forgive sins to mere men. And we just want to erase that part of the gospel, pretend it isn't there. Then we go to the letter of St. James, and when he says, confess your sins to one another, we take the eraser out and we erase that as well. But the Lord gave us the sacrament of confession as a grace and a gift, not as a burden. Because when we have just that personal relationship with Jesus and pretend that that's all that we need, we're missing out. God didn't create us in isolation. He didn't give you physical life directly. No, he gave it to you through your parents. They might be great or they might have hurt you. But God gave you physical life through them. You didn't get spiritual life directly through God, no. You were baptized by someone. He gave you spiritual life through another imperfect person. When you get hurt, He doesn't always miraculously intervene. No, He restores your physical life through other people. Doctors, nurses, pharmacists. And your spiritual life, when you're hurt there, He restores you through fellow sinners, through other imperfect people. Why? Because he created you as part of a body. You are one member of the full body of Christ. You are one member of the full family of God. And you need to be reconciled not just to God the Father, but to all your brothers and sisters as well. You need to be able to hear that not only does God forgive you, not only does He still love you, not only does He still see hope in you, but so do your brothers and sisters represented in that fellow sinner that is the priest who hears your confession and says those blessed words, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We need that renewal. And so I pray that we have the grace to go to that confession. And so what's the third way, right? First is personal prayer. Second is the sacrament of confession. What do you think might be the third way that we are renewed by the Spirit of God, that we proclaim Jesus as Lord, who is able to uh, create great things within us? The Eucharist. Right? We have that, that running conversation with Him. We then are reconciled with Him in this most profound encounter in the sacrament of confession. And then we receive that consuming fire of God's love in the Eucharist. 
We are able to have our imperfections burned away by the very love of God for us. We're able to say to him, you've given yourself completely to me. I, at this moment, want to give myself completely to you. At that moment, we say I do in the most profound way to our relationship with the Lord. We're filled with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, but also filled with his Holy Spirit. And that spirit then leads us into our lives out there. Where in moments of temptation we can say, Lord, send forth your spirit and renew this piece of the earth. Where we can say, Jesus, you are Lord and you can give me the strength to live as you have created me to live. And he, by his spirit, can make you what you were always meant to be, a saint in heaven.